One of the things that happens in life is that we hurt people. Sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. If you were alive on the earth tonight, you're alive out there? If you're alive, you have hurt someone. Perhaps physically, emotionally, even financially. I know it's, it's, it's tough to swallow sometimes and become aware of that we just, you know, we live life and we hurt people. And we don't always mean it, but sometimes we do. <laughs> and we need to have resolution with that. We need to realize when we have hurt people, we need to be sorry about that. We need to seek forgiveness. Amen? People are hurt by other people every day in all of these different ways. Whether the hurt that you have inflicted on someone else was intention, intentional or not, they have been hurt. Now, if you are a person who realizes that you've hurt someone and that you've caused pain, you want to make it right. Hopefully, you're the type of person that when you realize that you've caused pain, that you've hurt someone, that you want to make it right. And the question is, what should you do? You want to be forgiven. You want to be forgiven. You want there to be a reconciliation in that relationship. You want to get things patched up. You want things to be made right. But how? Sometimes things are tough. Sometimes, depending upon the relationship, depending upon the person that it is involving, that can be very difficult. Tonight's chapter will give us insight into what to do in those situations. Jacob is journeying back to the land of Canaan and he knows that he's going to meet up with his brother Esau at some point. He was told by this double encampment of angels. Remember the dispatchment of angels that was sent out and they came back to him and they said, Esau, your brother is coming and he's coming with 400 men. And of course, this put a tremendous fear into the heart of Jacob because he knew that he had wronged his brother Esau that 20 years earlier. He had wronged his brother Esau in that way that he deceived his father Isaac and, and, and with the help of his mother Rebekah to gain that blessing of, that would go to the firstborn son. And so he, he hurt his brother Esau. He had done him wrong. And so now all these 20 years later, these angels have, have told him, yes, your brother is coming, and he's coming with 400 men. And we talked about that last week, how you'd be, you'd be pretty scared if the brother that you had wronged 20 years ago was on the horizon with 400 men. It's a situation that you need some wisdom in. And maybe your situation where you've hurt someone is not quite that bad. It's not quite a situation where now you're being confronted with 400 men, but it could be something close. And you feel the pressure of it. You feel that situation and needing to deal with it. And so tonight we're going to see in this chapter what, how it is, how, how you need to present yourself to be forgiven. And this really, the lessons we see in the chapter tonight are go to our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And so there's a way to be forgiven with God and, and those same principles are the ways in which we can be forgiven with those that we have hurt. And so if you're hoping to make it right with someone, um, I've got a couple points for you tonight. And, and really there's just one main point and it really is this, humble yourself. Humble 
yourself. Let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 33, verse 1. It says this, Now Jacob lifted his eyes, and he looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, and Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. And then he crossed over before them, and he bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw the women and the children and said, Who are these with you? And so he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. And then the maidservants came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. And then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I have seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. Then Esau said, let us take our journey, let us go, and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord and see her. And Esau said, now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. And Jacob journeyed to Succoth, built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. And therefore the name of that place is called Succoth. Humble yourself. How to be forgiven. It's really simple but it's something profound and we need to make it something that's just a natural part of our disposition as a believer, as a Christian. The quickest way to forgiveness is by humbling yourself. For someone else to forgive you, they are giving you something. Thus the word forgive, right? (laughs) Someone's going to forgive you, they're going to give you something. What is it that they're going to give you? They're going to give you peace, the peace that has been perhaps taken from you because of that which you inflicted upon them. And they're going to give you right standing with them. And so to forgive is to give. To forgive is to give someone else that forgiveness that they need, that peace, that right standing. And this is what we receive from God, right? God gives to us. We come to God and we need forgiveness. And where we need to start, where all forgiveness starts and the best and quickest path to forgiveness is it comes by humbling yourself. There is a simple truth that needs to be applied in this situation and a simple truth to be applied to all of our lives. And it is this, and we find it 
recorded for us in James chapter 4, verse 6, where he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Who is it that finds grace? Who is it that finds mercy? Who is it that gets, that has forgiveness given to them? It's the person who's humble. The person who's proud, it's that person who's resisted. It's that person who is very hard to really kind of do much of anything for them. In fact, when someone is so full of pride and, and, and proud in their life, it is really difficult because everything within you wants to resist. But then when that person comes in humility, that person comes and humbles themselves, man, you want to, you want to give. It puts you in that, that place of wanting to give to them, giving grace, giving mercy, giving love. This chapter tells us that Jacob lifted up his eyes and he saw Esau coming and he divided his children to protect them and to mitigate any disaster. Remember, we talked about last week how he sent these waves of gifts, right? He divided up this livestock and he, and he set them in droves and he, and he had them kind of, it was like this idea where I'm gonna overwhelm my brother with all, this, all these presents. I'm gonna send all these presents ahead and maybe... Maybe this, this ongoing you know, conveyor belt of goodies will just soften his heart, and maybe I can find grace in his eyes. Maybe I can find that place to have that, that place with him again. And so he did all that because perhaps he, he didn't know the disposition of Esau. Perhaps he was full of vengeance, you know, and in his mind, he probably thought for sure he was full of vengeance. And so that's what he did. So he sent this wave, this series of waves of gifts. And then what did Jacob do? He crossed over in front of Esau. And the text tells us, and he bowed himself to the ground seven times. When he came near in front of Esau, it says he bowed himself to the ground in front of Esau seven times. Now, seven is a number that we discuss when we come to Bible study, when we come to the Word, because seven is the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. And so he bowed himself seven times just wanting to make it perfect, make it to do everything that he could uh, to, to humble himself before Esau. And that's exactly what he did. He humbled himself before Esau. The way to recover peace where it has been broken, it is our duty to pay our respects, to do what's right, to, to humble ourselves before that person that we have hurt. And, and to do it as if to, to, to go to them and to, and to be that person that perhaps you thought you were, perhaps you wanted to be in the first place, or for whatever reason, you got out of your mind, you got into the flesh, and you hurt this person, but the way that you wanted to be, and you've got to go back to that place, you've got to go back to that place and humble yourself and do it. Many preserve themselves by humbling themselves. It, it has been said that, this way, the bullet flies over him that stoops, right? The person who humbles themselves, the person who kneels, is the person who receives the grace and the mercy of the Lord and of the person that you need mercy from. Remember Indiana Jones and the last crusade. 
You remember that movie? Now they've made a couple more movies since then. They did the one with the skulls and the, the you know in the jungles of Peru and that whole one. And I hear they're making another one. Have you heard this? They're, are they making another one? I mean, Harrison Ford is like getting old. I mean, he is like in his mid 70s and I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to have him jumping around and, and, and all this stuff like they did. But you remember from the last crusade, the only way Dr. Jones could find the Holy Grail was solving the riddle to get into the place where the riddle was. And so what was the clue? What was the clue? It was this. Only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent man shall pass. What's that? Only the humble shall pass. He kind of figured it out. He said, he, he said, the penitent man, the penitent man, the penitent man. A penitent man is a humble man. A, a penitent man is a, is, a, is a man. Have a good evening. <clears throat> a penitent man. A penitent man is a humble man. And right at that minute, he dropped to his knees. And he, he humbled himself. And just at that moment, the axe came that would have sliced his head off. And so he got in there to, I guess, get the Holy Grail and have everlasting life and all the rest of it um, and that whole mystery there. But the point is this, only the penitent man shall pass. A humble man is the one that receives mercy and grace. A humble man is a man, a kneeling man, and a, kneel, and, 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 and a person who kneels, a person who humbles themselves is the one who obtains grace and mercy. A humble man is, is able to be restored to right relationship and standing. And so, and this is true of God. It's, our, it's, it's true of our relationship with God and it's true with our fellow man. Now I've seen this play out where someone needs help. They need mercy, but their pride will not allow them to put themselves in a position to receive that mercy. And what I've found and what I've seen in my life, and you can just, as I say this, you can agree with me or whatever, see that if, if you indeed corroborate what I'm saying here. But there are people that, that don't present themselves in that humble way. And you may be a forgiving person. You may be a person of grace and mercy and you want to give, but something, because when someone's not humble, when someone doesn't present themselves in that, in that place of humility, when, the, when it's pride, when it's all that, it's, it's, there's a resistance. You have a resistance. You want to give. And the passage that we just read from James, doesn't it say the same of our Lord? God wants to give. Don't you know that God wants to give? God wants to forgive every single person. He wants to forgive you your sins. He wants to, he wants to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He wants you to be free and clean. He wants to, but it says that God resists the proud. Why? Because they can't find that place. It's the place of receiving mercy and grace and forgiveness. And so God resists the proud. And if you have found it hard to forgive someone in your life, perhaps it is because they have not pos positioned themselves 
in such a way as to, you know, kind of gain that place of honor back with you or to gain that place of where you can just so easily forgive. Now, it is a requirement that we are to forgive when someone comes to us and does humble themselves and ask for forgiveness. As a Christian, we're required to forgive. You say required? Yes, required. Because we have been forgiven of so much. Jesus has forgiven you of so much that what this person has done to you is literally a drop in the bucket (laughs) compared to what you have been forgiven of by God. And so we need to understand that and we need to realize that. And Jesus taught a whole parable. It's called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And the lesson of it is that we're required as believers in Christ to forgive those people that come to us for forgiveness. And it's the, it's the penitent man, it's the humble person that receives the grace and, and, and all that. So what did, how did Esau, what did Esau do? Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept and he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? So what did he do? Esau ran to meet him, and he, and he hugged him, and he kissed him. He kissed his brother. Now, this, this would be an interesting scene to, to, to see because Jacob was fearful again. He had wronged his brother. It's been 20 years, and here he comes with 400 men. And, Jake, and Esau comes out running to him, hugging him, and kissing him. And... It's a, it's, what it tells us is that Esau, that God had dealt with Esau. You know, in, it, when we get into theology and we get into the book of Romans and we get into that idea of the sovereignty of God and God choosing and we have to deal with verses that say, you know, Jacob I, I have loved and Esau I have hated um, and, and trying to wrap our minds around what theologically is going on there in that statement and is the idea that Jacob was the selected one was the chosen one to be the the one who's who's the seed of the Messiah would come forth from and 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 he would carry on um, the covenant but yet it seems to me that God has been dealing with Esau in this situation because he has tremendous mercy has tremendous grace um, he receives Jacob. He, he hugs him. He kisses him. And, um, you know, this is what we need to do. <laughs> this is what we need to do when we are forgiving, when, when we're on the forgiving side of the equation. When you're on the forgiving side, when you're the one that's required to be forgiving, I mean, you know, I, I, I remember, and, and, and we've all experienced this. If you've been a parent, you've, been, you, you've, had, to, you've had to tell one of your children... Okay, forgive your brother. <laughs> you know, go, go on ahead and forgive your brother. No, I ain't forgiving my brother. Go, go on ahead, forgive your sister. No, I'm not forgiving my sister. And, uh, and, and we, we've got to be those people that, uh, now perhaps in that scenario, the brother wasn't humbling himself and it was like, you know, mom and dad, we're trying to fix the situation. We're trying to bring the two brothers back together, back on the same team. But 
we've got to be, when, when everything is kind of working like we see it here, we've got to be, when we're in that forgiving side of the equation, we need to be like that. We need to be like that. Why? Because exactly how God is with us. Amen? God doesn't, like when we come and, and, and you know, humble ourselves before God and, and say, God, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I humble myself before you. I, I, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for the, your cleansing in my life. God's not up there just kind of going, well, you know, we're going to see about this and we need to have a talk about this. And, and, and you know, I mean, it took you long enough. And what, you know, what, what, what are you doing? No, 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 no. God. God is the one who, you know, you see, it says Jacob ran or Esau ran. In the parable of the prodigal son, it's the father who runs out to meet the prodigal who's returning. And so when you're returning to the Lord and you find yourself humbling yourself before God, it's God who's running out to you. And I just, I, I bring it up every time I reference that particular parable. I love that you love the parable of the, of the, uh, the, the prodigal son, um, I'm reminded of the, the Benny Hester song. Benny Hester, yeah, that's a, that's a name that I have not heard in a long, long time. The only time I ever saw him run was when he ran to me and threw his arms around me and kissed me. And that's exactly what the father did with the prodigal son who returned. That song has always brought tears to my eyes and a lump in my throat. Um, and if you can't find the Benny Hester version on iTunes, and I'm sure maybe somebody will tell me by the end of the service that it is available on iTunes, but if, if it's not, then you need to look up the Phillips, Craig, and Dean remake of it. Phillips, Craig, and Dean did a remake of it about, you know, I don't know about I don't know, maybe that's even 10 years ago now. So we're getting old. We're all getting old. And um, so when God ran, when God ran is the name of the song. But we need to be that person. We need to be that person, a person of grace. It's better to be the person who can let the water that is already passed under the bridge be gone than the person who always wants to dredge everything back up and make a mess of the situation all over again. And here's what happens in a lot of our, you know, we've all done this, right? Where we want to not forgive. We, do you know what you did? And just rehearsing it, rehearsing it over and over again. And to make the person feel worse then you felt for what they did, but you're going to make them feel worse because I'm just going to keep telling you how bad it was until you understand. And you know what? I, I, I've done that. <laughs> and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't help you reach the desired outcome of peace and forgiveness and wholeness in the relationship. It doesn't help begin to put the relationship back on solid ground and back on the mend. It just doesn't work. If someone's coming to humble themselves before you, just let it be water under the bridge. Forgive them 
and move on. It doesn't mean, and, and you know, the good thing, here's the good thing about God. God does the same thing, right? God um, forgives and he takes our sin and he throws it, he casts it away as far as the east is from the west. And no one knows how far that is. <laughs> as far as the east is from the west, nobody knows how far it's far, okay? And then, of course, you know, so that's what he does. And, you know, the agape of God, it keeps no record of wrongs, right? Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now, we're very good at keeping a record of wrongs. And some of us are very good at keeping a record of wrongs. But God doesn't, meet, God doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And that, to me, is amazing. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't remember what someone has done to you and then kind of repeatedly put yourself in, back in the same situation, vulnerable situation with them again. I mean, you still have wisdom and you still think about things, but it's better to be the person who lets the water go under the bridge. Be a person of grace. Jesus put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So, so Jacob and Esau go through this getting reacquainted time, and Esau asks Jacob, who are all these women and kids? Who, who, what's going on here? Who, who are all these women and all these children? And Jacob says, well, this is the fam. You know, this is the fam. I've been busy over the last 20 years. And he says, God has been, this is what he says about the family. He said, because God has been good to me. God has been good to me. And this is an important point that we need to know biblically. And it's this, that children are a blessing from God. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And this is what it says in Psalm 127, verse 3, you will be very familiar with this passage. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so I think when I came to this part of the, the chapter and I was kind of going through this, I said, you know what? This is an important point to bring out for our people um, and bring it out a little bit stronger and not gloss over it so quickly. Um, because... This is what, what we need to hear in 2018 is that children are a blessing from the Lord. Children are, are a heritage from the Lord. Our culture wants to say everything else about children. And, our, and, and, and we live, and I hate to say it, but we live in a culture of death. We live in a, in a culture that it's literally okay to go and actually have your unborn children killed in the womb. But we, the people of God, we need to understand that children are actually a blessing. And we need to tell people that. And maybe this word and why I'm emphasizing this is for someone, it's for you to tuck this away in your mind, in your heart, 
And for such a time when you are in a conversation with somebody and they're struggling or they're whatever and you need to bring this particular verse to bear upon their heart and their mind and help them realize that, that children are a blessing from the, from the Lord, a heritage, really. And, um, and you know, we're going to pass out of this world, uh, you know, we're dust, right? God told Adam and Eve, you're dust. From the dust you, you, you've come and to the dust you will return, right? And, you know, I think it was Job who said, you know, I, I entered this world with nothing, I'm leaving with nothing, right? I, I came in naked, I'm leaving naked, so to speak. And, you know, the only stuff we're taking over with us to the other world is the people in our lives, that's the only thing we're bringing. Think of everything that you've got. Think of all the worries that you've got going on in your life right now. Think of everything that you're thinking about right now, that the house and the car and the, the rattle in the car and you've got to get that fixed or whatever and the grass you've got to cut and the checking account you've got to balance the checking book or whatever it is, guess what? You're not taking any of it with you to the other side. You're only taking one thing with you and that's the people that God has brought into your life that are also a part of the kingdom of God. And so look around. Look around. This is it. We're it. This is the this is this is heaven. This is just a glimpse of heaven. Um, and this is what we're going on to the other side. There's no what was the old saying? There's no uh, you don't put a trailer on the back of a hearse or something, you know. Oh, you ain't taking it with you. So Esau, he says to him, well, what? Well, nice to meet the family, but what was all this stuff that you sent my way? What was all this, you know, this, these waves of livestock that you sent my way? These are for you, Esau. I wanted to find favor in your eyes. And Esau said, don't worry about all that. I have enough. Man, Esau is really kind of shocking. If, you, if, if, if all you ever knew about Esau was that he was the brother that got cheated out of the birthright and the, and the blessing, and, and then you got to Romans and you read that, and then you're like, Esau, what, what's the deal with Esau? Esau is kind of really kind of showing me something here. He says, I've got enough. I have enough. God has dealt with me. God, God has blessed Esau in such a way that he's able to say enough. I have enough. And this is, we've been talking about this. It's interesting how when sometimes we get on a particular topic in a Bible study and how God kind of weaves that same theme back in and through other Bible studies. And we've been talking on Wednesday night about stewardship and about being the wise and faithful steward and being content and having contentment. And Esau, part of actually having a, a, an attitude of contentment is actually being able to say, and I don't know if you can say it, but Esau said it. He says, I have enough. I have enough. And this is an incredible thing. And, and um, Paul told Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. And so Esau said, look, I have enough. I'm blessed of the Lord too. But Jacob insisted. And he said, no, I want you to take these gifts. I, I want these are for you. I want you to take these gifts. And so Jacob urges him to accept the gifts and he prevails upon Esau. 
and, and he, he just wants Esau to have these gifts. He wants, he wants this to, he wants to bless Esau in some particular way. He wants this to happen. And so it's good to see that Esau actually accepted. Once Jacob prevailed upon Esau, that Jacob, uh, that Esau accepted the gifts, and that's a good thing. And just a word about this. Um, a professor that I had in Bible college, uh, he gave us some pretty good advice. He said this, when someone wants to bless you, don't refuse. When someone wants to bless you, don't refuse. And I think that there are at least two reasons not to refuse. At least two. I said at least two. You might come up with some more. But there are at least two good reasons why, why not to refuse when someone wants to bless you. Number one, God is blessing you through this person. Some people, like you may go through life, oh no, and saying no to all these blessings, and God's like, I'm trying to bless you here. If you just let me bless you, I'm trying to bless you. And I brought this guy over here, and he's going to bless you. He's going to take you out to dinner or whatever it is, right? Give you a gift card. So receive the blessing of God. Number two, don't rob them of the joy of giving and following what they feel to do and, and realizing that it could be a leading of the Lord that they're responding to. And so don't rob them of them being able to give to you. So don't reject the blessing of God and don't rob the person who's wanting to bless. And so be blessed, be blessed. And you know, if you just... You know, I've seen this go back. Oh, take it. No, you shouldn't have. No, go ahead and take it. No, you, why'd you do this? You shouldn't have. And then it's this whole thing, and I'm going, oh, come on. Let's just, you know, let's be blessed somehow in this whole situation. So be blessed. Esau tries to persuade Jacob to come to Seir, which is where Esau has settled, and Jacob parts ways. He, he says, no, you know, the... The, the, the livestock is, is young and they're not going to make it and, 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 and we just need, to, just need to part ways. And so Jacob goes on to Canaan and he enters the promised land and he enters at a place that would later be called Succoth and that's because he set up booths. Succoth in the Old Testament is a word that means booths and, it, and later there would actually be the Feast of Booths. Um, but th th that has to do with the booths that they the tents that they resided in when they came out and the children of Israel were in the desert for 40 years. But this is the place, Succoth, and this is where Jacob set up a homestead and, and made booths for his livestock. Now, we want to wrap it up here with one last little point. After forgiveness is flown, the best way to go from there is to respond in thankfulness. Let's finish up the chapter, go back to the text and let's pick it up at verse 18. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. And when he came from Padam Aaron, he pitched his tent before the city, and he, brought, and he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. And then he erected an altar there and called it El Eloi Israel. So, when we have responded, when we've humbled ourselves, when we have been forgiven, 
the best way to respond is with thankfulness. We need, to, we need to be thankful. And so what does Jacob do? He comes back into the land of his father, of his grandfather, and he builds an altar. In, in thankfulness to God, he built an altar to God. And sometimes, you know, it may be just a whisper on your tongue. It may be, uh, the writer of Hebrews says that we give thanks continually. Um, we bring a sacrifice of praise uh, which is the fruit of our lips giving thanks, right? So the fruit of our lips is giving thanks to the Lord. The question is, is the fruit of your lips giving thanks? As a believer, the fruit of your lips needs to be giving thanks. Uh, that's the sacrifice of praise that you bring into the house of the Lord, amen? And we give thanks to the Lord. Uh, and sometimes it's more than just a fruit of our lips. It's something more substantial, we're really kind of thanking God. And what, what Jacob does here is he builds an altar. And remember when, when Israel or when Abraham came into the land, um, when he followed the, the, the Lord's word to come into the land of Canaan, you know, these places were pagan places. These pa- places were, peop- were, were filled with people that, with, that worshiped other gods and they had, you know, their own altars and their own uh, deities and all this that they worshiped. And so it was, they they were pagan. And what what is interesting here is he dedicated the altar to El Eloi Israel, the God, the God of Israel, (laughs) right? And, and, And remember, he's just coming off of having his name changed from Jacob to Israel. And so he comes back into the land. This is the very first thing. He comes back into the land. And what does he do? He makes an altar to El Eloi Israel. God, the God of Israel. Who's that? Well, as we read the rest of the Bible, we find out that Israel is the people of God, right? But right now it's him. He was Jacob. He was Jacob, but now he's Israel. And he comes back and he says, God, the God of Israel. And that's the type of thankfulness, that's the type of perspective that we need to have. God, the God of Charles. (laughs) Amen? God, the God of David. God, the God of Sam. God, the God of John. God, your God. He's the God of Israel, but he's your God. And and you need that type of thankfulness to honor God in your life. The only, the, 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 the one true God. There are these false gods. There are these many false gods. And, and, and Paul talks about it. We don't want to get into it tonight, but the, this, these these principalities and powers that in, 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 in that you know that are part of the darkness of this pre, this present age. God, the God of Israel, honoring the God of Israel in your life. And if you'll do that, you'll always be forgiven. Amen. You'll always be forgiven. And here's the thing. Blessed is the man or woman who the Lord, who who sins, the Lord will not count against him. Amen. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. Blessed is the man who the Lord will not count his sins against him. Be that person. Be, make it your life's goal to be that person.
in your life and you'll be forgiven. Humble yourself and be thankful.